So good morning, and thank you for joining for the practice of being aware of awareness. As we welcome in these first few moments, um, I'm reminded of the instruction by Dr. David Hawkins, who says, start with certainty. Start with the knowing that when one is devoted to evolving spiritually, that they will have brought to them everything they need for that. So we start with certainty. The way he puts it is start with the certainty that you are worthy of the quest. Start with that knowing that we are worthy of the quest. And so for me, what that also means is to include you know, the noticing, the awareness of attention to any of that undervoice that says, nah, not you, not today. You don't need to push that away. It's not helpful to push it away. And it actually strengthens it to push it away. So maybe we just take a few moments and listen for that undervoice and see if there's some kind of murmuring contraindication that we are worthy of the quest. We don't listen because it's true. We listen because we are the truth and that is the temporary. That is the false. That is fear and uncertainty. We let that energy come up. We let that voice be heard. We start with certainty that surely by the commitment to evolve spiritually, we will have brought to us that which we need to do that. We are worthy of the quest. once we align with that intention, maybe we bring our spiritual aspiration right into our heart right now, bring those words up to our head. And starting with certainty, maybe we feel how it feels when we are aligned with that aspiration, with that spiritual intent.
and we bring the feeling tone up into our body. We see ourselves walking through our day, this world, aligned with that intent. We notice the earnestness with which that intent is desired. Ms. Argadada says, earnestness is all you actually need. So we start with certainty. That this spiritual intent this true desire of the heart sets the course. literally brings to us what's most useful for us. So we're basically being a vibratory match for what it is we want to know, what it is we want to see, what it is we want to be.
Now we just allow attention to rest. Nothing to do. No state to get to, to get rid of. And we can notice the beans already in progress. We can check to see if bean is here. We could say, you know, yes, I'm observing the bean. But who is this I? It's going to claim observing. Is it not so that the beingness is happening on its own? We didn't wake up this morning and get our being going. Likewise with observing. Are you really doing observing? And if there is a sense that you're doing observing, then stop observing for a moment. Just stop it. Just turn the observing off. If there's this sense that it's kind of yours and you're doing it and you turned it on. Observing's happening of its own, isn't it? Can we notice we're not doing the observing? We're not the observer in chief. It's not a job, it's not a task. Frankly, we have nothing to do with it. Being is happening on its own, this gift of life. And observing is happening on its own, this gift of awareness. And this life awareness is lifing and awareing. Spontaneously. We're not causing it. We can't stop it.
It's not caused by anything. It's continuously emerging. from the essence of what it is. So there's a great deal of opportunity for rest in that recognition. Mary Oliver called it to be idle and blessed. Ramana Maharshi referred to it as sinking the mind into the heart. way Reverend Gloria said it yesterday was, whatever occurs is going to be the most benevolent thing that can happen. So the invitation is to rest in the heart. Rest in the knowingness. Of our own existence. Occurring spontaneously, ongoingly, and benevolently.
And the opportunity is to also see that when mind kicks up, that that's happens, happening spontaneously as well. You can no sooner stop a thought from coming than you can stop observing right now. It's both are just utter fantasy. Can we notice that in our own direct experience? Can we notice thoughts come? Thoughts go. There are no my thoughts unless I want the experience of identifying with them. There are no my feelings unless I want the experience of identification. It doesn't mean that thoughts aren't seen and feelings aren't felt. But that one little word, my. in an instant creates not just an experiencer, but ex an experiencer trapped inside of an experience. Can we observe how that self-referencing mechanism works, how mechanistic it is? just happens spontaneously. And none of us, just like we can't stop a thought from coming, we can't stop the my from coming. Our superpower is that we can notice that a my has come. Once the my is noticed, that's the choice point. continue down to the dream or pop out.
I notice sometimes that choice isn't available. But many, many times it is. by being cognizant and confirming that awareness is present. I'm watching the whole thing play out. So thoughts will happen spontaneously. The my will either get attached or not spontaneously, depending on how much new conditioning we've absorbed. And attention will be on the noticing versus sucked into the experience when that's available. Being aware that we are aware that awareness is present, always spontaneously happening. Presents the choice to rest attention away from the experiencing, away from the identification. that may be available and it may not be available. But awareness is there to notice that. Can I notice that awareness is always present? It just gets obscured when this my thing is really strong. And I noticed it gets obscured. Is that available to be seen? So what does that have to do with resting in the heart? Well, for me, the more I have rested in the heart, the quicker I notice the contrast. And the more likely I am to ease back to resting the thoughts, accepting the feelings, and trusting that resting in the heart will come if I rest the thoughts and accept the feelings.
noticing that it's all happening spontaneously and cut off secondary load of guilt and blame. Because it's just more thoughts and more feelings. Can I notice everything's happening spontaneously of its own? And the thoughts coming are like the birds singing. Sometimes a lot of them do a lot. Sometimes very few do, rarely. Whatever occurs is going to be the most benevolent thing that can happen. All that is, is God, for there is only one source. It is only mind that wants to divide it all up. Keep a running narrative and continually recreate a me, a my, an I. Can I notice this? Can this be noticed? Can I catch it in action?
And the more I rest in the heart, the more I notice what is clearly not of the heart, what is of the head. It just has a completely different feeling to it. It is not hard to distinguish. In that moment, is it available to shift attention out of believing, out of involvement, and back into noticing, into the observing that's already in progress? We don't create the observing. Simply shift attention to it. rest in the heart. Aware that we are aware. So can we notice this awareness is present right now? It's this empty mystery, all the objects flow through it. The sounds, the thoughts, the feelings. Everything the senses can detect and experience flows through this open, empty awareness. One of the ways to point to this 
is being the contextual field. That through which content moves. That's the power of this my program. It has us instantly identify with the content, not the context. And it feels tight. I can tell right away. So I'll read to you a little bit from chapter 14 of Dissolving the Ego by Helen Hamilton called being the contextual field. Consciousness can appear as form or formlessness. We could say that form arises out of formlessness. We know much about the form or the content of consciousness as this is the thingness that we know so well. We are taught to focus on the content of our awareness as a priority and to ignore totally the context. What does this mean in our experience? It means that we do not see our own self, capital S self, is the contextual field. And that what we think we are is actually the content of the field. When we look for ourselves through self-inquiry, all we can find is the subtle feeling of I am here, but we cannot actually find a location to that self. Maybe we do that right now, just check to see. There's a sense that I am here right now. I definitely have that sense. Now we turn that spotlight of awareness inside to find that me, find that I. We don't rely on last time, on memory, because that's a concept. In our direct experience right now, we look for this me. We have a sense of being here. So we look to see if we can find this me. Helen writes, when we look for ourselves through self-inquiry, all we can find is the subtle feeling of I am here, 
but we cannot actually find a location to that self. We begin to see that this I sense is actually the formless contextual field of seeing. The sense that I am here or I exist is simply the first content of the field that we are. Thoughts are the first content that fills our field. They are very nature. We are more like a field of space than an object that has a location in time and space. Our body has a location and is affected by time and space. But we are not. The awakening game we're playing this week is to notice the timelessness of what we are. That this experience of knowing, this field of seeing is the same field of seeing we had when we were five, 25, 45, and on and on. And we notice this is the exact same view, the exact same sense, the exact same looking, the identical knowingness, the knowingness hasn't changed at all. The field of seeing is unaltered, unaffected by time. The content's completely different. The context, that through which we see, by which we see, which we see as unaffected by time passing. Helen writes, we can learn to refocus our attention on the field itself rather than on the thoughts occurring in it. We can put our awareness on the space that thoughts are appearing in rather than the thoughts themselves. When we do this, we begin to see that nothing could exist without this contextual field here first for the thoughts to appear in.
No thing could appear without this field of no thingness for it to arise in. Form relies on the formless for its existence. Without the formless contextual field, no thought, emotion, event, or relationship could appear in it. Our bodies, which are solid objects, need this context to appear in and to sustain them. Just as the clouds in the sky in which they appear. Content can only appear against the backdrop of context. Content can only appear against the backdrop of context. We know this because we can realize we can only hear the objects of sound against the context of silence. We try to listen for a sound amongst the background of white noise. We will not hear it. And we listen on the inside for the silence and notice that all the sounds are heard because we are that perpetual silence. Silence is just another way to describe the contextual field, another aspect.
and the silence is always here. And out of that silence emerges every sound. We could say that form arises out of formlessness. Sounds arise out of soundlessness. Being this contextual field, we can notice isn't a doing. This is happening spontaneously of its own. This contextual field is invisible, intangible, ineffable, and yet is totally here, now, and everywhere. Textual field is invisible, intangible, ineffable, and yet is totally here now and everywhere.
textual field is omnipresent and never began, nor can it have any ending. Beginnings and endings can only occur to the objects appearing in this contextual field, but not to the field itself. Through this practice, we can begin to see we are the field itself and not what is appearing in it. We have taken ourselves to be the me, which is the subtle content of thingness that appears when the body appears. In truth, we are the no thingness in which all objects are showing up. Can we notice the objects that come into the field have no effect on the field? 
impact is absolutely changeless. And we rest in its embrace. And that concludes our hour. <laughs>